If you're a regular listener, you'll know that on our website there are almost a thousand documentaries from the RTE archives going back decades. God bless the work, Paddy. You're welcome, Tom. One of the most popular with the listeners is from 1978. It's called Nobody Ever Went to America to Learn How to Kill a Pig. They're going around the back with the pig now. Get them ready for the cab. They have one rope on them. One leg. When I get my knife, Penny, I'll give you a rope. We'd better go down so we see if I had a down down at the back. All right, so then. That's obviously interesting because it recalls a practice that's almost died out. And then there are others that reveal how we in RTE thought about our listeners and our interviewees. They had a lot of land, he had a lot of land too, you know. So they need all the people around which to get work in, in three weeks before they used to come, fixing up every place for the weather to be good looking when, when they'd come. In case you found that difficult to follow, what Mr Quinn told us was that his uncle, John, as a boy, was chosen by James de Bastereau to be educated in France with Florimore, and that his education completed... That was from The Count at Durris, from 1966. And as you click through the website, you come across documentaries that, no matter their age or the age of the subject, they're just good stories, well told. One in particular is Barge Men from 1976 by Brendan O'Keevon. Here are a few longer extracts from it. You may not agree, but I think there's a great energy to this. The lads from the Barrow, and they always said, Shinny and Hoggy. Shinny was port and Hoggy was starboard. And the reason for that was there was one particular man who uh, was a hackman. He had a barge of his own on the canal. But uh, in his latter years, the man became blind and lost his sight. And he couldn't give up uh, the boat because he was supporting his family uh, uh, by trading on the canal. But two of his sons crewed with him, Shinny and Hoggy. Shinny was a skinny fellow like myself, and Hoggy was nice and plump and well covered. So uh, as they'd be going along the canal or approaching a lock or anything like that, they'd shout the instructions back to the fellow, up to Shinny, over a little bit to Hoggy, the one who got the port or starboard. And, and the name spread and went around the place. And, it sounded very strange to hear a man coming into, say, Banner or something like that. Uh, bring over to Shinny there a bit. You know, but this is how actually the name came about. Come, all ye Dryland sailors, bowl and listen to me song. There's only forty verses and I won't detain you long. Tis all about the adventure yards of a bold young Irish tar who sailed as man before the mast on the gunship Calabar. Now the skipper was a strapping lad, he stood just four foot two. His rose was red, his eyes were black, and his hair was a Prussian blue. He wore a leather medal that he won in the crime he wore. And his wife was passenger mate and cook on the gunship Calabar. Now we sailed away with a favouring breeze, and the weather was sublime. But just in the straits of Rialto Bridge, where you can't pass two at a time, another craft ran into us, which gave us a serious check. It stove in the starboard paddle wheel box and destroyed the hurricane deck. Now when hugging the shore of Inchicore, a very dangerous part, we ran aground on a lump of coal that wasn't marked on the chart. And to save ourselves from sinking, and to save each precious life, we hold the main deck overboard, including the captain's wife. 
Uh, are you aware of the fact that they used to have a little, uh, they used to take a little drop of porter out of each barrel, but they had a little law about it. Uh, 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 a sweet can was the maximum you take out of a firkin, and a biscuit tin was the maximum you take out of a, a hogshead. The method of doing this was, was uh, you, you just tap back the, the, the hoop on the barrel and with a gimlet board little hole and fill your little sweet can. But if any fella took uh, two cans of porter out of a hogshead, uh, he was ruined. You know, that was a, a mortar. Oh, just thought the porter was a great man if you were drinking. Oh, sure. I tell you, it kept half of my life in the canal. I often was there myself two later years when my father cut around at Lalmers, I'm sure. I gave a book at the port and I gave it there behind me, steering along at night time, nine, ten o'clock in the night, maybe. Singing away to me, half content, and asking around me. Sometimes then the port would be no good, it wouldn't be in condition. So I'd read in the pork on the fire, red, red, stick it down the bucket, I'd mull it. You'd hear that then, <laughs> oh, great stuff though, not like the stuff today. Oh, with the port, you'd have a gimlet. You're bored, but keep away from the stairs, like, you know, you went in between the stairs, you'd never stop it, it'd open up completely. You bore a hole in the centre and you bore another one on top. That'd be in the wintertime, of course. But in the summertime, you see, you need to bore the one hole. It was mad, it was in condition. You held the bucket out, it might blow it over your hand, you see. But then you'd average, you'd take five or six pints over the course. But then you knew you wasn't robbing anyone. Because Guinness always spent five or six pints extra on every barrel. It was a wooden barrel, you allowed for leakage. See? But then Dyer and Lung came out and. To talk that put pill too, but we, 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 we conquered that too. We conquered that too. When you had it for about two weeks going around, we found out how to do it. We got a, a lead going, a little tinker like, as we call a tinker like olden things, we used to go into it. So we take away that with a pen knife. And we used to get the horn on the boat. We used to have a horn that thing, we see, for calling the lock keepers. So we get the horn, we push in the narrow part of it in. And old floor the port are mad. And when you put away the horn, it will lock itself again automatically. So we said, they were handy over here. So we yoked up a bit of a bent pipe. We used to shove it in and hold the bucket under it. But we didn't take maybe two pints out there alone. Because, you see, we'd have the water with a wooden barrel and it wouldn't be in condition. So we'd give it two skirts of iron lung for a head on it, you know. Oh, we try to do one thing, but we don't. So we had to do it to survive. One for all the money to our pennies anyway. Even, even the cooking methods, there was one dish, there wasn't room, you see, in the small area today, out of the table, with four knives, four cups, sauce or something. They had one communal dish. Quite a question, I'll tell you what it is now. You come along now, and if you have much money or much grub, I'll tell you what you'll do. If you have a good few spuds, one little small skin of a rasher, or a piece of a rasher, or a piece of bacon, and an onion, cut it up real fine. Peel your potatoes, prime your pan. If you have a bit of dripping or a bit of fat ratting, raise your pan. Peel all your spuds, throw them down in the pan. A little bit of meat in the top of it. And then get an onion and have that cooked in a little old softener as well, nearly cooked. When the whole lot then starts steaming, you print the water, cold water in the top of the pan. Swing your bits of meat and the onion, the whole lot in the top of it. And put an enamel plate down in the top of it. Lower in your primes. And you see the lead lifting like this, and the steam coming out of the sides of it. When it's near done, then you have the table ready and you have it on and crop it off a bit. Of course, you won't plant any butter on it. You save butter with the cold cush, you see, they go around the sides of the pan. And they'll be smacking their lips after it. All that then will flow into it. But it's a nice old feed when you have nothing else like, you know, it's, it's tasty. But you can't bait the pig's head. Oh, the pig's head is me man, boy. And a great big poison amble basin. Throw around in a knife and fork a piece all around it. One lad in one lock, another lad in another lock, and a lad in a little stool like a milking stool. And here you be then, dig for dig, dig in all you could at one time. 
sometimes I'm going to be real low in the basin and I'll say, ha, ha, I got that bit, he go for it. She couldn't be a bit of capital to be made of, what was it? Sometimes in the hole come in the enamel basins, we used to have to tear a bit of the old sheet of the bed, maybe, or be here old shirt, and twist it and shove it up in the hole and pull it so and put a knot on it, and redden the pork on the fire, and burn off the ends of the, the old cloth, you see, to stop the crazy water from coming down on the old table on you. Here your man go for and he pulled the whole bit of the cloth or shut out right through the hole in the basin. Well, Jesus, we should tell you grave ones. 3rd of December, 1948. I remember leaving Tullamore around 4 or 5 o'clock in the evening. My father and myself. And we were coming. We said, we'd go up as far as Killinlaa that night, like. We'd tie up the boat there and we'd wish my daddy's brother and sister a happy Christmas. So we left anyway when we got the tick Nevin lock. My father said, you get out the lock now, Jimmy, says, and ready, he says, and I'll throw you up the rope, he says. So I said to my father, OK, I says, I go out. John Pender, the lockkeeper, was there as well. And John Pender says, good night, Jim. I said, good night, John. How are you all night? God, he says, it is. He says, where are you after? I said, we're going off. We have a load of him. He says, well, I said, we're only going up as far as killing that tonight. That'll do what you are. Father swooped the rope, and we stopped the boat in the lock. She rose up, and I opened the breast gates. John Pender took off the stop rope, and he threw it into my father, and he wished him a happy Christmas. So we got when she was leaving the lock anyway, we don't need room, and I filled the trucks, and pumped out the old bilge, and looked at her, she was nodding up, and said, my father, everything's all right down there now. I think now Jimmy said, you ought to go up and make us up a tea. And again, you have the tea ready, he says, we'll be at Killinar Bridge. We'll tie up there then, and we'll drink the tea, he says, and we'll clean up the old cabin. We'll go up then, and we'll wish your aunt and your uncle a happy Christmas. Fair enough, son. So I went up and I lit the old primus. Sat down and was just... That time I didn't throw the table because we were in the tools and I put a bit of ta- paper in the locker and put down the two mugs and the old bowl and spoon a piece and two cuts of bread. Next thing the boat struck the bridge. I leapt up anyway. I leapt up. boat was going full bore. She was only going from one side of the bank to the other nowhere. I ran back to Dick. Showed and barred for my father. No father. Daddy was gone. My father's pushbike was behind old Dick Lord of Empties, and I took it out and I rode to Carberry and the County Galeras about four miles away. The police brought me back and threw the old bike alongside him in the car. Showed him out. I dragged the river until three o'clock in the morning. Said, Your father's not hindered, you may go to bed. So I said, I'll wait anyway, Daddy might be back. So myself and my daddy's sister and brother, we sat there in the cabin waiting and waiting and wondering and thinking, no saying, every minute we'd hear a step coming. No step, no daddy. I got an easy anyway in daylight broke, as you know, winter time. About nine o'clock, I walked down the bank. Just right in front of Kine's house, there's a slip where people go out to raise water up. There he was standing up in the water. His left hand tight on his breast, another one by his side. The water barely flowing over his hair. Four feet in mud. Oh, me love is a boatsman. He's handsome and tall. He sails down the barrow, the neatest of all. From the documentary Bargemen from 1976 by Brandon O'Keevon. One of the more than 900 documentaries you can hear at a click on the Documentary on One website on rte.ie. I wish him safe sailing as the north winds that blow. With a fine pair of horses going down to Carlow.